0: Welcome to Females and Fine Fettle, from wiped out to wealthy. This is where conscientious women entrepreneurs and women living like a boss come to learn about balancing their personal and professional wellness with ease. If you have the enthusiasm, motivation, and grit to make it happen, then listen up every Monday. To be sure you don't miss an episode, sign up for weekly updates at femalesandfinefettle.com. The following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please don't apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. Now, here are your hosts, Denise Pasquinelli and Dr. Michelle, your natural women's health advocates who blend the wisdom of ancient healing traditions and the science of functional medicine.
1: Right, welcome to episode 46. Let's get this party started. In early May, Denise and I reached out to our community and asked what burning questions you had around nutrition, food, and balance. And we got some really great responses from you, so thank you. Um, And today we're going to be tackling those questions and giving you some solid answers to clear the confusion and get you motivated in and out of the kitchen.
2: Yes, we are really excited to have an episode dedicated to answering your questions. We hope that all of our episodes are providing value and providing actionable takeaways that you can integrate into your busy lifestyles. But with these Q&A style episodes, we know that we're addressing your questions and concerns because you told us that these are top of mind for you when it comes to food, nutrition, and a balanced lifestyle. If you have questions that are specific for us, please hit us up and we will discuss them in future episodes. So here were topics that bubbled up from your questions for this month. You all want to know about what to eat and with all of this conflicting information out there, what's right for you. And so we definitely covered this topic in episode 43. So if you haven't caught that one, take a listen.
1: Yes. Episode 43 is chock full of goodies. So we'll definitely link to that in our show notes. Um, but I do want to touch on, uh, the war on carbs because this is such (laughs) a huge discussion and it just, I don't know, it just, it's always popping up and people always have questions about this. Um, so I know there's a lot of confusion around whether or not carbs are Satan himself (laughs) so the the thing is for women sorry dudes this is ladies own uh, we tend to need more carbs than men to help regulate our hormones and I've definitely had women who are restricting carbs too much and then they end up having irregular cycles or even stop cycling altogether Um, this can also really negatively affect our thyroid and our adrenal glands um, especially when they are under functioning so that being said you know Know, lower is not always better and if you know you're highly active or you're an athlete you're gonna end up needing a lot more carbs right so you know a good starting point is to aim for about a hundred grams of carbs per day, which might sound like a lot, but the average American actually consumes around 225 to 325 grams of carbs per day. And keep in mind, we're also talking about healthy carbs, right? We're not talking about refined carbs or gluten-free this, that, or whatever, right? So 100 grams of carbs might look like two sweet potatoes and a cup of blueberries, okay? Also, just a quick tip. I prefer to reserve the majority of any carbs I'm eating for my dinner meal because this can really help to regulate sleep and our circadian rhythm. So, I think, you know, where a lot of confusion comes in is the fact that with carbs and other facets of our health, of course, we have to take bioindividuality into account. So, the gold standard is really to experiment and test yourself. And one of the best ways to do this is to utilize a continuous glucose monitor um, and follow Rob Wolf's guidelines in his book wired to eat. Um, I won't go into details here, but he basically maps out a really simple and clear way to determine not only the amount of carbs that you should be having per day, but also what types of carbs work best for your body. So you might tolerate rice but not quinoa or sweet potatoes, but not white potatoes. It's a really awesome process. So if you want to get, you know, into that nitty gritty, definitely check that book out. I'll uh, link to that in our show notes.
2: That's awesome. And I love any sort of self-experimentation. I think that that's where we really get to hone in on those bio-individual sort of preferences that is so important. The second theme that emerged from your cues was around food prep. So you had questions about how to do it efficiently, how to avoid food waste, what are some tricks in terms of prioritizing the time to cook, and also just some general desire for cooking and getting in the kitchen sort of inspiration. So we will talk into both of these today as well. And then lastly, questions were coming up about how to eat and how much to eat. And seems like some folks are struggling with not eating enough while other folks can't help but overeat. So we'll talk into this one a little bit more too. So let's jump into the approaches for efficient uh, food prep. I am a big fan of weekly planning and food prep, sometimes referred to as batch cooking. However, I'm also kind of a rebel Mm -hmm. and I don't like to be too confined into eating any one thing. So for me, cooking a giant batch of food just doesn't work most of the time. I might not want to eat it or I might not feel like it's fresh enough a few days later and then I hate to waste the food. If I don't get to it. So it's just not the approach that I take. And I think many people feel this way too. So it's typically not the approach that I will use with clients. Instead, I try to focus on how to set up the kitchen and my schedule to accommodate making quality food fast. There's a really fantastic concept that comes or originates from French cooking, but is adopted well beyond the French called mise en place. And it means essentially putting in place or everything in its place and refers to the setup that's required before cooking. So in professional kitchens, it would refer to the organization and arrangement of ingredients that a cook would need to access during a really fast-paced night of food prep. And I love this concept when it comes to food prep in home kitchens. And I think that approaching day-to-day meals more like batch prepping rather than batch cooking results in fresher meals and more freedom to improvise and have more sustainable meal planning. So I think to really rock the mise en place practice, you'll want to start by clearing out the clutter because it is way more enticing to get cooking when the refrigerator, the pantry and the cupboards are organized and clean. When you can actually see the foods that you want to eat during the week, you're more likely to be inspired to use them. So like with anything that you have in your home, it's far more efficient if they have their own containers in their own place. Jars and clear storage containers are some of my favorites because it makes it very easy to see what you've got and they're easy to grab when you need them. Having your spices in a dedicated place that is easily accessible is really helpful too because, again, if you see them, you're more likely to use them. So once you can see what you actually have and have a place to put the food that you need you're ready to make a plan and even if you don't want to be chained to a set schedule of meals like I typically don't I think it's a good idea to have a loose idea of what you're going to eat during the week for shopping and also for your prepping purposes. So I try to keep it really basic by having a couple of general breakfast ideas. So maybe that's one or two different types of smoothies and some eggs and maybe sautéed veg. And then for lunch, I like to do something like a bowl or a big salad, or maybe even I would have leftovers from dinner the night before. So to plan for these, I'm usually thinking about a few cooked and raw types of veg that I want to eat a couple of protein ideas, like maybe meat, fish, or hard-boiled eggs, likely I'll have some nuts and seeds, and a dressing or two to top off my bowl and have a little variety throughout the week. Sometimes of the month, I'll be a little more mindful to get more grain in my midday meal. Dinner then is where I turn to a few favorite meals, or maybe I'll look for inspiration for what to eat. The possibilities are really endless if you have a good foundation meal and the combos and actual ingredient ingredients can be varied based on the season and your mood or your hormone levels or maybe even your social calendar. So the big thing I like to recommend for dinner is to have an idea of what you're going to cook so you can get any specific ingredients that you need. And there's no need to complicate things. I tell folks that they can have a stellar dinner game plan for life if they get good at cooking about five meals. And again, you can switch it up with different veg and different seasonal flavors. I like to check out cookbooks from the library to find some inspiration. I also find cruising Pinterest can be really fun to look for neat recipes. Mark Bittman is one of my favorite recipe authors because his recipes are simple and he includes simple modifications that can diversify the meals in a snap. I also really appreciate the website My New Roots um, made by Sarah Breton because her recipes are allergen free and they're always very tasty. Dr. Michelle, I know you also have some favorite recipe sources.
1: Oh, I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I also want to say that I love how accessible that five meal goal really is. Like, if you can nail it with five meals and just vary certain ingredients, you know, based on the season or what's available, I think it's like a perfect way to look at it. And then you're like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It seems just way less daunting. Um, And I actually, (laughs) I was telling Denise about this earlier, but I just got an Instant Pot, which is a total game changer. I can't believe I've waited this long. Um, You know, if you have littles running around (laughs) or you're just crazy busy, I can't recommend the Instant Pot enough. It does, you know, everything from making bone broth to rice to yogurt to fall off the bone meat. I am obsessed. I literally just made five minute hard boiled eggs. Like (laughs) it's crazy. But anyway, (laughs) I just, you know, if you're, if you've got an instant pot or you're thinking about getting one, I would just look for paleo or AIP instant pot recipes and there's, they're all over the place. Um, And I'll link to the instant pot that I actually just got. So you guys know um, which one that one is. I also have three favorite cookbooks right now. The first one is Mediterranean Paleo Cooking by Caitlin Weeks, um, Chef Nabil Bumrar, and Diane Sanfilippo. I'm so sorry if I boshed any of those names. Um, The second one is The Paleo Kitchen by Julie Bauer and George Bryant. And third, uh, Cooking for Hormone Balance by Magdalena Shalaki. So, I will definitely link to those three books in the show notes as well.
2: Awesome. And I love this Instant Pot idea. I actually haven't jumped on the Instant Pot bandwagon quite yet. <laughs> but I think that some of the things that we're talking about in terms of batch prepping rather than batch cooking would be super complementary to using an Instant Pot. Uh, totally. So yay. Um, great. Okay. So now you have your plan. You have some inspo. Now it's time to create the list for what you actually need to make the meals for the week. So this is gonna save you time and money in the grocery store, guaranteed. Having your grocery list to keep you on track is going to make shopping so much easier. And if your list is broken up into categories, that can be another way to save some time. That way you're not running all over the store to get everything on your list. Categories could be something like produce items, bulk items, proteins, fats, superfoods, or other specialty items, and then finally frozen foods. So I know that this sounds ridiculously simple, and it is, mm-hmm. and it makes a really big impact. Just a little bit of organization takes some of the load off decision-making off your brain. So we've included a little sample grocery list and a meal plan worksheet to try out for yourself. Um, there'll be some suggestions included and also a blank template so you can make it your own. And it's also going to illustrate kind of some of this like batch cooking day, what that could look like sort of thing.
1: So awesome.
2: Yes. So now to that day, to that prep for your batch cooking day, rather than making the meals, again, we're thinking about setting yourself up to make the meals quickly in the future. So, this might mean that produce gets cleaned, maybe even chopped and put in its proper place. So, I like to store lightweight vegetables like the leafy greens and herbs that will go into salads, bowls, or even green smoothies. I put them all together in a big container in the refrigerator and I'll pop a paper towel in there to keep the greens fresh and dry. I also like to finely chop some favorite herbs up, like some of my favorites are parsley, scallion, and cilantro. And I'll just finely chop them and have them in, the, in a container in the refrigerator so I can grab them and just sprinkle them onto whatever I'm having. They can add a great fresh flavor to salads, soups, avocado toast, stir fry, etc. And then for those bowl meals that I was talking about or simple sides even on a food prep day, I might roast a pan of beets and carrots or I might cook a butternut squash or some organic sweet potatoes in the same oven. So while I've got it on, I have a few things cooking at the same time. You could totally be cutting up hearty vegetables like carrots and celery and peppers while that veg is baking and that's going to help you get set up to make future
1: dinner meals
2: in a flash.
1: I love these ideas and I also love when we were talking about the lightweight veg um, and kind of these other vegetables too. I'm obsessed with those green bags. I don't know if you've seen those mm-hmm. but those like green produce bags that you can wash and reuse. I think they were at one point like an as seen on TV sort of yeah, infomercial weird <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. like I swear they work so well. So I, I'll link to those in the show notes too. They're awesome. Um, but also you know that instant pot would be super handy for that butternut squash that you mentioned or sweet potatoes. Um, I actually love the spaghetti squash, too, um, another one of my faves. And the Instant Pot can get one of those babies done in about seven minutes. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah,
2: I mean, you can just imagine, like, if you had your vegetables all cut up and ready to go, you could pop them, just dump them into the Instant Pot with a little meat and boom. Totally. All right. And so for a protein option, it's super typical for me to cook a whole chicken in a slow cooker. Prep is really quick, and then I can set it and forget it. So this might be something that I wouldn't necessarily do on the batch cooking day, but maybe I might instead do this later in the week and have it cook while I'm at work. The chicken then can get added to bowls, soups, or tacos or whatever other future meals that you have planned. Other protein options that might be nice to prep on your prep day could be doing a pot of hard-boiled eggs or maybe cooking up some beans or peas or possibly even cooking up a little bit of fish. And then finally, for that dressing or sauce that you might want to add to your midday meal or dinners, I love to advocate for making a dressing or a dip yourself because there's so much less junk in it if you make it yourself. Mm -hmm. This is something that's pretty simple to do. If you have a few, if you're going to go ahead and make a few sauces all at once, you can get the blender out, take it all the staple ingredients like your oils, vinegars, herbs, salt, pepper, and concoct some delicious dressings and dips that will bring big flavor to your meals throughout the week. They're also going to help in bringing some variety to your meals, which I think is really nice to have so that you don't feel like you're having the same meal day in and day out. Even though you kind of are, (laughs) you're just bringing in different flavors so that it feels fresh and exciting. Once you make your dressings, you can pour them into jars and label them with the date and put them in the refrigerator so they're easy to see and you'll think to use them to create really delicious meals. You could even make up a jar that you take to work with you at the start of the week. And then you don't even have to think about bringing in a dressing when you're packing your lunches for the week. Then while you're waiting for your veg to cook, you could also make a blood sugar balancing snack, something like a Powerball or some flaxy maxi bark. I have a couple of recipes that I'll link to in the show notes, um, Having something like that on hand to just take with you or have in the car when you're commuting and bouncing all over the place is a really great way to make sure you can keep your blood sugar balanced. It's going to help with cravings and some of the other things that we've talked about in past episodes. So to do all of this, you'd probably spend about two hours, but afterwards, you would have some really stellar ingredients ready to grab and go that are going to add big texture and flavor to future meals. Personally, this is a time that I really relish. I aim for a weekend morning, and I kind of get in the kitchen and get in the flow. I love to listen to a podcast that I've been dying to hear all week, or maybe some of my favorite music and tunes. It feels to me like it's me time, and I know it's going to feel so good in the future. You know those moments when you feel like you're just acing the day and owning being an adult that feeds yourself?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So really.
2: Like, <laughs> seriously, what it feels like after I've done this kind of batch prepping situation the rest of the week, I'm just like, oh, yes. So- I'm uh, nailing this. So it'll probably take a little bit of time to get all set up, but once you do it, you're gonna save yourself so much frustration and discouragement in the kitchen in the future. So I say start slow and celebrate small wins.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Truly, I think, having food on hand that is life-giving and colorful and fragrant and fresh and alive, all of that is going to help you to, you know, feel colorful, fragrant, fresh, and alive. (laughs) So hopefully these tips are helpful. for you to see how you could spend a little bit of time up front to save yourself significant time in the future and make eating good stuff a little bit
1: easier. Love it. Yes. All right. So what about the question on how much to eat or issues with under and overeating and the topic of fasting. This is a little bit of a beast, but I will try to be (laughs) brief. Uh, You know, now we've talked about stress a lot, right, in past episodes. And so if you've been tuning in, you probably remember that being in a stressed state can actually decrease our appetite because our body's in that fight, flight, or freeze mode instead of that calm, rest, digest, and restore mode, right? So this can be a huge issue for those of us who quote, you know, forget to eat or eat by the clock, instead of tuning into our body's true hunger signals. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, and this is largely due to genetic predisposition, um, you may also be the type of person who overeats with stress because your body is wired to crave the fat, the salt, the sugar, and these foods end up sending signals to the brain that results in calming your nervous system and this feedback loop can result in overeating. Overeating can also happen because our culture largely favors what is termed hyper palatable foods. (laughs) Think of Asian fusion restaurants, salted caramel ice cream, sweet and tangy barbecue sauce. These foods can taste amazing, right? But the thing is, is that our taste buds are being stimulated by multiple flavors and sensations. So they don't get fatigued as they would if we were eating a more traditionally, um, Based foods like more bland foods. So, this in essence kind of tricks our taste buds and our brain into thinking we can and want to eat more than we actually should. This is uh, actually another topic covered in Rob Wolf's book that I mentioned earlier called Wired to Eat. So, if you want more info on that, definitely check that out.
2: That sounds really interesting. I want to check this out
1: (laughs) for sure. Um, Yeah, I I think
2: some. of gentle fasting can also be a beneficial tool to get more in tune with natural sensations of hunger and also to some extent help with um, feeling overly stressed for a long period of time Um, because eating can be sort of stressful on your body. It's something that your body is working to do. And when we take a little bit of a break, we can alleviate a little bit of that stress for our body. So, like Dr. Michelle mentioned, it's very common to get in those eating routines that are convenient for workday or maybe for your kids' daily schedules. But it might not actually be in line with your actual hunger. So, I know how important convenience can be, so I'm not necessarily advocating you make a huge change if you have some sort of nice rhythms in play already. But exploring some things like intermittent fasting or even mono diets can help to reset your hunger cycle. So intermittent fasting can be as simple as putting 12 to 15 hours between your solid meals. So you might have a juice or a broth and then wait to have solid food until later in the day or have a smoothie as your first meal as it's already partially digested. It's going to be a little bit easier on your digestive system. Of course, there are more extreme sorts of fasting that are that you could undertake, like a full day or multi-days of not eating solid food. But if you're interested in something more extreme like that, I would definitely check with the healthcare provider first. I have also heard of a neat concept called lunar fasting, which is fasting or eating very pure or natural foods on particular days of the lunar cycle. I first discovered this idea in some kundalini texts, but it seems to have popped up in other forms of yoga as well. But the idea is that there are times within the lunar cycle that are more conducive to eating lightly and supporting the body's natural detoxification process. These optimal days are the new moon, the 11th moon, and the full moon. So this could be a fun way to experiment with your body and see if there are certain days that feel better to eat more lightly.
1: Totally, and just tuning into that lunar cycle in mm-hmm. general, like that awareness, I love that. Um, yeah, going back to intermittent fasting, that can definitely be beneficial for a lot of people. Women in particular, though, have to be cautious with this method. So I typically start with you know, a 12-hour fast, which is really doable for most women you know, for an example, it would just mean ending, say, dinner no later than 8 p.m. and then eating breakfast no earlier than 8 a.m. I mean, that's a 12-hour fast right there, and that really gives our body a nice rest. Um, having a smoothier juice would definitely take you out of the fasting state, so you want to make sure that that's after that 12-hour period. So um, I might just stick with water or even bone broth. The bone broth um, shouldn't take you out of that fasting state if you want to kind of experiment with that. Um, and then depending on how you feel, you know, you can up that 12 hours to 14 hours or even 16 hours if it feels good in your body. If it doesn't, don't push it.
2: Totally. I completely agree with that. I think intermittent fasting can work really well for some and just... Absolutely not for others. So, again, this is all an opportunity to do a little self-experimentation. One other thing I wanted to mention was the monodieting idea. And monodieting would be something like eating the same simple food for the whole day or, you know, all of your meals that day. Ideally, something highly digestible that has been slow cooked. So dishes like kichari from the Ayurvedic tradition, which is made of basmati rice and split mung beans that are slow cooked with some nice spices. Or even kanji, which is a similar type of dish. It's a slow cooked rice based porridge from the Chinese tradition. Mm -hmm. Those would be really great candidates. And having something like this cooked and on hand to eat a serving whenever you feel hunger can help to resettle a weak stomach or also help the body repair after the stress of surgery or childbirth, for example. And it can really help to get you back in line and recalibrated to your own hunger.
1: Yes, those are great ideas. kanji um, is a super healing food in Chinese medicine for sure. And, you know, the mono diet really caters to breaking that hyper palatable food cycle we can mm-hmm. so easily slip into. Um, another tip to slip in is that when you're eating only eat until you're about 80% full. This is one of the guiding principles around, um, those people who live in blue zones or the area of the world where people tend to live to 100 years old and beyond, those centarians, right? So mm-hmm. it can take a little bit of time for our brain to process our level of satiety or fullness. So stopping when you're just about at that 80% mark um, can really help prevent us from overeating and feeling stuffed, right? So I hope you got some answers to your questions. Next month, our topic is about boundaries, and we'll be starting the month off of June with our funky five. So we'll be exploring our inner boundaries, think, you know, gut brain barriers, our outer boundaries, like social circles, and when to say no. And also the fun that can come from busting out of our boundaries and into all new territory. So if you have any burning cues around how to create, honor, or break boundaries in your life, send them our way and we'll be sure to cover them on the podcast later next month. Just shoot us an Email at hello at femalesinfinefettle.com and let us know. Also, don't forget to grab your freebies for this week. Just head to femalesinfinefettle.com forward slash uh, zero four six. That's for episode forty six. And basically, have a great rest of your week and bye for now. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Females and Fine Fettle from Wiped Out to Wealthy, a podcast to fit your lifestyle. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review at femalesandfinefettle.com. If you have questions or topic ideas for upcoming episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Please be sure to tune in next week.